Well, hallelujah. I'm becoming more convinced every night that Arizona is the best kept secret in the UPC. For a moment there, I believe we are entering into a dimension of worship where the Holy Ghost is just wanting to take over, and uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. Enjoyed being with you so much, the fellowship, the fun, and um, wow, what a privilege. What a privilege. We ate at Casa Ramos, Casa Ramos, Gloria a Dios, Aleluya. Que rico. La comida es bueno. Comida, comida. Okay, whatever. Okay, Gloria a Dios, Aleluya. I want to touch on a topic. Thank you for correcting me. We'll we'll go over my accent later. Okay, I appreciate that. I want to go over a topic tonight that is, um, it's old-time apostolic doctrine, okay? And um, it's, it's also dealing with particular spirits that are being released in our day. And I have found this to be, to my surprise, a controversial message. I've gotten nailed over it across the movement. Uh, there's some people that hate it, and most people love it, thank God. But I'm going to preach it to you tonight, and um, I believe it will be a blessing to you. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 18. If you want to use the three-finger technique in your Bible, you can put your next finger in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. That's where we're going next. And then your middle finger you can put in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3. So first, Exodus 25, 18, then Isaiah, then Corinthians. If you got it, say amen. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims, everybody say angels, shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering, everybody say covering, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. If you got it, say amen. I'll wait another second. Take a sip of water. Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it. Everybody say above it. Everybody say covering. Stood the seraphims, a different kind of angel. Each one had six wings. With twain or with two, he covered his face. Everybody say covered. With twain or two, he covered his feet, and with twain, he did fly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. The apostle Paul says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. 
For if the woman be not covered, everybody say covered. Let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Everybody say covered. For indeed a man ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Verse 13, judge in yourselves. Is it comely or is it fitting that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Everybody say covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. I want to preach to you on this topic, the keepers of the glory. The keepers of the glory. Let's lift our hands and ask God to do what he wants to do in this place. Father, we love you. I thank you for these crazy apostolic young people. I thank you for the anointing that is upon their lives. I thank you that you have made this district great in the kingdom of God and in the spirit realm. Thank you for the privilege to speak to these young people. I pray that every eye would see and every ear would hear what thus saith the Lord. Let the word of God come upon us mightily and change us and make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands one more time before you're seated and let's praise God with a lifted voice. That's it. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. 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 Give somebody a high five and tell them I like your hair. And you can be seated. Satan wants the opposite of God's commandments. There's been a wrestling match, a tug of war over the consciousness of man to try to get them to do the opposite of what God commands. In the garden, when Adam and Eve knew that they were naked after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... They tried to clothe themselves, but their standards were insufficient for God. They used fig leaves, and fig leaves would dry out and crackle and just wouldn't last very long. And God made them garments according to his standards. God wants to cover nakedness. You can see the devil wants to reveal, uncover nakedness. There was a man by the name, the Bible refers to him as the demoniac of Gadara, of the country of the Gadarenes. He was filled with at least a legion of devils, 6,000 devils conservatively. And the Bible says that he ran through the countryside, through the hills, took off his clothes, ran around naked, cut himself and basically scared everybody half to death. And when Jesus cast out the devils, the Bible says the man was found fully clothed. Everybody say fully clothed. And in his right mind. The devil wanted to reveal his nakedness. Jesus found him and covered his nakedness. There were seven sons of Sceva that 
began to tap into their newfound spiritual authority, and they found a demoniac, and they said, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out of him. And it was a classic line that came from this demoniac. He said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And the Bible says that he fell upon them, ripped off their clothes, and sent them away wounded and naked. That's a pretty dramatic end to a ministry. First corny joke of the evening. God tries to cover the flesh. Satan wants to expose the flesh. You need to know what spirit you are of when you want to expose your flesh. God wants distinction. Everybody say distinction between men and women. Satan is doing his best to remove the distinction. God wants women to act and dress like women. And he wants men to act and dress like men. Satan wants men to act and dress like women. And he wants women to act and dress like men. The most heated battle right now in society and in the spirit is Satan's attempt to remove gender distinctions. In June of 2015, the Supreme Court told us that we had to accept a new definition of marriage where two people of the same gender could now be considered married. And now we are even further down the road of delusion and our society is pushing something called transgenderism, the idea that you can personally choose your own gender. If you were born a male and you don't like being a male and you feel internally and emotionally and and whatever else that you're a female, then you can transition to a female. And to do this means a total denial of physical, scientific, biological, spiritual, emotional realities. But the people who do this are praised as champions on every level. I just read some articles where A young man in high school decided that he wanted to be a girl, and so he began to dress like a girl and act like a girl, and he was on the high school wrestling team, and he decided to join the girls' wrestling team. Did y'all hear about this? It's fascinating. Decided to join the girls' wrestling team, and lo and behold, he whooped all the girls on the high school girls' wrestling team. And instead of somebody saying, hey, that's a guy. They praised him for his bravery, or her rather, excuse me, bravery in making the transition. I read another article where there was a female, uh, sort of like an Ironman championship, where they, they swim however many miles, and then they get out and they run a marathon, and then they bike another hundred or so miles, just craziness, and, and it was for girls. But there was a man who transitioned to female that they allowed to join this competition, and lo and behold, to everyone surprised, he blew all the records away. She did. And, and she sat on the podium as number one, and then there was number two and number three. The number three girl on her Twitter account praised this transitioned female for her bravery and everything she had to overcome to stand first on the podium. The number two girl that was, should have been first said, hey, that's a guy. There is a pressure in our society, in our day, to keep your mouth shut about what is true. It's like 
the old Bible story of the emperor's new clothes. Do y'all know that story, emperor's new clothes? My goodness, I've only got like eight head shakes. The emperor's new clothes. There was a really mean emperor who wanted some new clothes. And he hired a tailor, which happened to be a con artist, to make him the most elaborate, illustrious, gorgeous suit of clothes that any emperor's ever had. And so the con artist tailor worked for several weeks in top secret fashioning the new clothes. Nobody could come in. And when it was over, he revealed the new garment. And it was so incredible, so wonderful, so marvelous that you could not see it with the naked eye. And so the emperor took off his clothing and put on the new clothes, which means he was naked. And he walked through the streets, and everybody was too afraid to say, hey, he's naked. And they were praising him for his new clothing, except for a little boy who looked at his mommy and said, hey, mommy, he's naked. And then everybody caught on that this was a nakedness, this was a naked emperor. And he ran back to his palace. And folks, the day we live in, there is such a darkness and a delusion. And people are afraid to call it out and say, listen, you may be acting like a girl. You may be dressing like a girl. You may have had surgeries. You may have all kinds of stuff going on. But you are a man. You're just a very sinful Man needing Jesus Christ. Who, who told us we got to keep our mouth shut? And we are seeing something happening. They, one of the things that they are saying with transgender people is that the suicide rate is extremely high. And I believe them. But not because of what society is doing to them. It's what sin is doing to them. When God's order is rejected, society pays an immediate and tragic price. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and, and what's fascinating, I just, we just came from San Francisco. If you don't know anything about San Francisco, there's a very large community of, uh, of, of homosexual people, and the rainbow flag is everywhere. Folks, God has tricked these people into using the rainbow flag as their symbol. He has tricked them because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Every time you see that rainbow flag, it's just telling everybody, hey, Jesus is about to come back. <laughs> and they call their movement pride. And pride cometh before. Jesus has totally tricked him. We're starting to see greater persecution arise against truth in America. California tried to make it punishable with jail time if anyone mislabeled someone's gender. This is already federal law in Canada. In other words, if you're talking to a man who says he's a girl, you'd better say ma'am, or you're going 
to jail. And the people in America that stood up against this, there have been several governors, several, uh, several states that have stood up against this, and people that stand for pro-life saying that that's a baby, whether it's in the belly or out of the baby, out of the belly, it's still a baby. These people are being nailed by Hollywood, nailed by corporations, including the NBA, the NFL, NAACP, NCAA, and billions of dollars are being taken out of their businesses. Why? Because Satan is trying to stifle and silence every single voice that is in opposition to his agenda. And what I'm trying to tell the Arizona young people is that there's never been a greater day to be a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller that knows the truth and knows the Bible and knows what's right. We know the Bible is right. Hallelujah. God has always been serious. You may be seated about making a distinction between men and women. Deuteronomy 22 and 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Everybody say abomination. Abomination is something that is disgusting, offensive, detestable, monstrous, terrible, vile, horrendous. Something God's not going to change his mind about from Old to New Testaments. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 said that among other sins, neither the effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. Effeminate means men acting like women. Abusers of themselves with mankind is men living the homosexual or sodomite lifestyle. I do not care what our government says. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what so-called Christian denominations are saying. I don't care if our media is screaming it. The Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman for life. It's the only way. And in the beginning, he made them male and female. There's nothing else. Now, I believe that Satan hates both men and women, but the Bible gives us insight to a particular hatred that Satan has for the woman. In Genesis 3.15, God said, I will put enmity, everybody say enmity, between thee and the woman. He was speaking to Lucifer, the serpent. Enmity means hatred, hostility. Hostility, animosity. It does not say this in reference to men. And I believe Satan hates the woman in particular because he understands the power that a woman has. Paul said to Timothy that the woman is the guide of the house. Paul taught us that a man can be won by the conversation of the wife. It does not say this in the reverse order. Satan, in the garden, did not go after Adam. He went after Eve. And I've heard people say, well, it's because Eve was the weaker vessel. Wrong. Women are physically weaker, for the most part. There's probably a few stronger than me. But Satan understood if he got Eve, he was going to get Eve and Adam. Paul told us Adam was not deceived in the garden. 
He knew he was making a mistake. And he did it anyway. Why? Because Eve was like, He knew if we went after Eve, he would get them both. And throughout history and plainly in our current society, Satan goes after the woman. And specifically, the body, the image of the woman. A woman's image has incredible power over atmosphere. Guys do not have the same effect. Sorry, guys. There's a uh, something that happened. My wife is a fierce, holy, powerful woman of God whom I love. And she went into the grocery store, and our boys are about this high. And when you walk through the grocery store at the checkout aisle, y'all know all those magazines that are there that everybody can see? Well, 99% of them have scantily clad, sexy-looking women on the cover of the magazines. And they're not dressed in holiness lifestyle, modesty. And, and my wife went to the manager of the grocery store, and she said, listen, these are at eye level with my boys. She said, you better get rid of them or cover them, or we're shopping somewhere else. And the manager said, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And he covered the magazines. I tell you, I believe, I believe one of the reasons why darkness is taking over our country is because good people are remaining silent. And you see these magazines, and they all mostly have women. What you do not see is some man showing his hairy legs on the magazines. Why? It just doesn't have the same marketing value. It's okay, you can laugh. People don't know what to do right now. They're like, oh my God. He just said hairy legs in the microphone. It doesn't have the same attraction. Why? A woman's image has power over atmosphere. The woman is the regulator of morality in culture. Today, when countries are mentioned, it's always in the female form, she. Most of the time in the Bible, it was she. And when you look in the book of Revelation, it was a woman that sat on the seven hills as that great sinful city. It says there is a great whore sitting on the many waters. It is a she that is corrupting the nations, not a he. As the woman goes, so goes society. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul clearly teaches against men having long hair and women cutting their hair. He said in verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, everybody say long hair, it is a shame unto him. And the question has been asked, does shame equal sin? And when you look at the word shame, it's Greek atemia, which means dishonorable, disgraceful, vile. It's the same word used in Romans 1.26 where Paul said he gave them over to vile affections in reference to homosexuality. Something that is vile to God is not going to heaven, folks. And it is important to recognize that the word shame 
was not used in reference to cultural shame. As some have stated in an attempt to lessen the weight of the violation of this teaching. Instead, Paul told us that nature teaches us it is a shame. Nature was created by God and has nothing to do with culture. Therefore, any violation of this doctrine is a violation of God's natural law. Has nothing to do with culture. Amen. And when you look in American culture, the way things are today are not the way they've always been. Women did not start cutting their hair in mass until the onset of World War I. The men went off to war. The women went to work in the factories. And they assumed the roles that men used to fill. And when they assumed that role, they removed the symbol of their difference. As a matter of fact, long hair and heavy machinery became a liability. They had to cut their hair and their minds to, to work in the factories. And it was the absence of men that caused the woman to change her role. And after World War I, it became fashionable for women to cut their hair short. It was called the bob cut. Bob in reference to a boy, a little boy. And they would get the bob cut because it looked like a boy's cut. And by 1917, many of the fashionable elite were cutting their hair short. Ladies, in a few years, the bob was obtaining epidemic proportions. And this style was supposed to represent the new American woman, a busy, active, independent woman liberated from old social customs. The bob cut, or short hair on women, was predicted to be a passing craze. However, by World War II, it became mainstream. Again, women were working where men used to work, doing what men used to do. And during World War II, it became popular for women to wear men's clothing. Seeing women in pants before World War II would be a shock. Just as it is now, if a man wore a skirt, that same kind of shock, whoa, what's he doing? That same kind of shock existed in American culture before World War II. But after World War II, women in pants, women wearing that which pertaineth to a man, became a common sight. And by the end of the 60s, all traditional cultural values were under attack. Boycotts for women, long hair for men were in, worn, the opposite of how God commanded. It was an open symbol of protest and rebellion against traditional values, and it was still fringe elements of society. And these fringe elements may have never reached the mainstream level they are at today except for one key element, television, Hollywood. Hollywood took these rebellious fringe elements and made it mainstream in American society. But Paul taught that women should have short hair, and I'm sorry, men should have short hair and women long hair. He said in verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a woman have long hair, everybody say long hair, it is a shame unto him. The man having long hair, it is a shame unto him. The word long hair comes from the Greek word kameo, which means to let the hair grow. How does nature teach against men having long hair? Well, the cause of male pattern baldness, I want to give you a physical example. 
There's some over here too. The cause of male pattern baldness comes from the male hormone testosterone. DHT, dihydrotestosterone, is the enemy of hair follicles on your head. It is the maleness of a man that causes him to naturally lose his hair. And I've got a great revelation. The less hair you have, the more manly you are. Felt something over here. Something just shifted. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Everybody say glory. All the ladies say it's a glory. For her hair is given her for a covering. Again, long hair. Kameo. I'm going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to go into a place that's really nice. Kameo. To let the hair grow. If a woman lets her hair grow... It is a glory to her. Length is not the emphasis. It's letting the hair grow. That's the emphasis. Because if length was the emphasis, Scandinavian women would be exceptionally holy. African-American women wouldn't be so holy because their hair goes to about right here. Scandinavian women can grow their hair down to their ankles. Well, God could care less about the length. What God's looking for is whether it's cut or uncut. He's looking for obedience. For her hair is given her for a covering, not a veil, not a scarf, not a hat. The hair is the covering. And he said, if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. How does a woman remove her covering? By doing anything that is antithetical to hair growth. By doing anything the opposite of cameo. If she does anything to stop the hair from growing, cutting, nipping, burning it off with a curling iron. Intentionally. If she does anything to shorten the length of her hair, she removes her covering. And in the eyes of God, he said, if it's going to be shorn, it might as well be shaven. If you take a little bit off, In the eyes of God, you should just shave yourself bald because that's what he sees. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And then Paul makes a statement. He said, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. And people who don't like God telling them what to do with their bodies have said, well, look. Paul said, if you're contentious about this, you don't have to do it. This custom's not in the churches. Why would Paul spend 15 verses explaining this doctrine and then dismiss his own argument at the end by saying, ah, if you got a problem with this, we don't have this custom. He was not referring to the custom of having long hair. History tells us It gives us clarity on which custom Paul was referring to. When you look at pagan Greek culture, Paul was preaching to the Greeks. This letter was to Corinth. Everybody say Corinth. Corinth was an exceedingly wicked 
city. They had temple prostitutes. They had the temple of Aphrodite. And every year, one time a year, there was a season in which the pagan women would take their hair and cut it off and burn it to show their solidarity with Aphrodite when she was mourning for her lover Adonis. And the women would take their hair when they came to Jesus and they would cut it off and offer it as a sign of their solidarity to Jesus. And Paul said, we do not have this custom, neither the churches of God. And you can find this in National Geographic, June edition, 1972. There's an entire article on this. Paul did not explain this doctrine and then dismiss it. The custom, he said, we have no custom like this in the churches, was the custom of cutting your hair off and offering it as a sacrifice to God. I preached in a church and a lady came up to me afterwards she said, Brother Campitella, she said, this is in Jewish culture. What you're saying is in Jewish culture. And she said, I went to a Jewish funeral, and there was a rabbi at the door holding a box of kippahs, handing out the kippahs, like the little black circular hat they put on the back of the head. Anybody ever seen those? She was handing them out, and so she was, the, the, the rabbi was giving them to men and women. And so Sister Thompson went up to the door, handed out her hand for the kippah, and the rabbi looked at her hair. And he said, lady, you don't need a kippah. You have uncut hair. You're covered. This, this has been in Jewish culture for thousands of years. That's why Peter said, adorning yourselves like holy women of old. This has been around for thousands of years. And the hair is a universal symbol of distinction between men and women. It shows that we are different. Now, there's other things that show we are different, but they're involuntary. Hair is voluntary. A man can grow his hair like a woman, and a woman can cut her hair short like a man. It's voluntary. But God uses hair to show a difference between men and women. There is a difference between men and women. We're different biologically. We're different emotionally. We're different spiritually. We are different. There's a book that says women are, men are from Mars and women are from <laughs> Venus. It's a great book. Got to read it before you get married. I just wanted to see what planets would be shouted out at this camp. It's awesome. Pluto. We were made different on purpose. Man is made in the image of God. You look at a man, he's an earthly, physical manifestation of what God is in the heavens. He's not our heavenly mother. He's our heavenly father. The woman was made different. Paul said, for the man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. No mention of image for the woman. The Bible is very clear on the image of the man. It is not so clear on the image of the woman. You have to look at the parallels in Paul's teachings to find the image of the woman. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Husband, Christ, wife, church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husband, Christ, wife, church. Husbands, love your wives. Mm-hmm. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, husband, Christ, wife, church. Just as Adam named his bride Eve, 
Jesus Christ, the last Adam, named his bride, the church. Just as the woman was made for the glory of the man, the church was made for the glory of Jesus Christ. Just as souls are born from the union of man and woman, souls are born again from the union of Christ and church. Just as the man paid the price in his body for the woman to live, Jesus paid the price in his body for the church to live. Just as Adam was temporarily put to sleep so the woman could live, Jesus Christ was temporarily put to sleep so the church could live. Just as the side of Adam was pierced for the woman to live, the side of Jesus Christ was pierced for the church to live. Just as God created the woman from what he took out of the side of Adam, God made the church from what he poured out of the side of Jesus Christ. Just as the woman was brought to the man to, the man to be his bride in paradise, the church will be brought to Jesus to be his bride in paradise. Just as the bride receives the name of her husband in the earthly marriage covenant, the church receives the name of Jesus in the eternal marriage covenant. Man, Christ, wife, church. The female was made in the image of the church. We went out to eat. I preached this at a church in Maryland. We went out to eat afterwards. Applebee's, like 1 o'clock in the morning. It's the only thing open. And we walked in. There were three men, one female couple together, two guys and a couple. And everybody else was coming. When we walked in, I sat down at the table, and a gentleman came up to me, and he, he said, hey, how you guys doing? Hey, we're good. You guys are Pentecostal, aren't you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, absolutely, we are. How did you know? <laughs> and he said, well, it wasn't you. He said it was her. Ladies, you are literally a physical image of the bride of Christ. Guys, you're a physical image of Jesus Christ. And the Lord God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. Praise break. I will make him and help meet for him. Help meet, either connecto, help or strength that corresponds to or is the opposite of man. Woman means opposite of man. An opposite has equal power, otherwise, it's not opposite. But equal power does not necessarily mean equal authority. Let me explain. In the eyes of God in eternity, men and women are equal. As a matter of fact, there's no gender. Ooh. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons. Hey, y'all are sons. Kind of weird, huh? That we might receive the adoption of sons. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the 
sons of God. Whether you're male or female, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you become a son. It's kind of weird, I know. Let me help you ladies, okay? All the guys in the house, raise your hand and say, I am the bride. Male or female makes no difference. We're all sons. We're all the bride. That's why Paul said there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's bond nor free. Neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. God does not look at you as lower or different. We're all sons and we're all the bride. But on earth, there's a hierarchy of authority. According to to the order of creation and gender. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3, there's God, Christ, male, female. God, Christ, male, female. God has no head. He is the head of all. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was submitted to his authoritative head, the Father. He had the power of the Father, but he did not have all of the authority And he did not have all of the knowledge of the Father. Jesus said twice, two times, he showed us he did not have the same knowledge that the Father had. One time he said, my God, my God, why? If he had all knowledge, he wouldn't have to ask the question. In another place he said, no man knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son of Man, but the Father So in his lower office of authority, he had the power of the Father because he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. But it was a different level of authority. And then man is under Christ. Is a man supposed to have less power than Jesus Christ? No. We are supposed to operate in the same power. He said, I'll give you my word. I'll give you my name. I'll give you my blood. I'll give you my spirit. Behold, I give you power to tread upon scorpions scorpions and serpents over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. The works that I do, greater than these shall you do. You're supposed to have my power. Do we have the same level of authority as Jesus Christ himself? No. Same with the woman. Same power different level of authority. And it is submission to your authoritative head that releases the power and the authority from the head down. Submission is not a dirty word. Submission is the channel through which power and authority flow. So here we go. The question that 1 Corinthians 11 presents to us is, Why does a woman need a covering when a man does not? Why? Why does a woman need to be covered in the presence of her higher authority? Paul said that if a woman uncovers her head, physical head, she dishonors her head, her authoritative head. Therefore, the woman's covering, which verse 15 in Corinthians 11 reveals is the hair, the woman's covering is a sign of her submission to her authoritative head. The reason why it's a sign of submission is because God made it an earthly pattern for a pre-existing spiritual reality. 
Something existed in the heavens before men or women were ever created. And when you line up in your hair with what God is teaching us, you fit the pattern of what existed before you were ever born. God told us that these things are a pattern for Christ, Hebrews 9 to 24. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. In other words, this Old Testament tabernacle was a symbol, a pattern of a spiritual reality that exists in the heavens. And God told Moses, look that you make everything in the tabernacle after the pattern. Because if you don't, if you get the pattern wrong, the glory that exists in the heavens will not come down to the earth. If you get the pattern right, fire is going to fall. Fire is going to fall. I cannot tell you how many churches I have been in where they have destroyed the pattern. And now a counterfeit spirit is in those churches and they don't even know it. If the pattern is correct, the glory in the heavens becomes a reality on earth. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and 15, If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. In verse 10 he said, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. How many of you know God fills all space? God's everywhere. You can't go anywhere without God being there, right? But the Bible teaches us that there's a specific spot where his glory resides, his manifest presence. Isaiah saw it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That train is his glorious garment. Above this glory stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Watch. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. The angels were covering themselves, and they were covering the glory. Ezekiel saw a similar vision. He said, thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined to another, and two covered their body. Again, these angels were covering themselves in the presence of the glory. And they were guarding, protecting, keeping that glory. And then on earth, God gave us the physical representation, the physical picture of what's happening in the heavens. He said, Moses, make the Ark of the Covenant. Put two angels on either side. They're going to face each other. They're going to stretch out their wings. They're going to bow their heads toward the mercy seat. And they're going to cover the mercy seat and cover themselves. In other words, angels understand the significance of covering. Satan was in the head position of covering the glory. Ezekiel 28, 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. That word covereth is sakak, to hedge, to fence about, to shut in. I want you to picture a defensive posture. You're shutting in something. You're fencing something. To block, to overshadow, screen, stop the approach, shut off, cover. Satan was literally the restraining force of protection for the glory of God. To touch the glory, you had to go through Lucifer. He was the glory bouncer. ESV says he was the anointed guardian cherub. Not only was he covering or keeping or protecting that glory, he himself was covered 
in the presence of that glory. Ezekiel 28, 13, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. He had on the high priest's breastplate before the high priest ever got it. He covered himself in that breastplate. What was that breastplate? A sign of his position in the hierarchy of authority. But at some point, he got sick of his covering. It became an inconvenience. I asked my wife. My wife's got beautiful long hair. I asked her, I said, baby, have you ever been tempted to cut your hair? She was like, yes, I have been tempted to cut my hair. She looked at me like, duh, boy. Because it's a lot of work, isn't it? Long hair is a lot of work. Y'all have beautiful hair. Oh, my goodness. And I've watched my wife. My wife will go into the bathroom and she'll... Take the top off of a full can of hairspray. And she'll begin to spray. I don't know how women don't get DUIs. I'm serious. There's so much toxin in your blood. And, and then she'll take 800,954 bobby pins <laughs> that are in the drawer, on the sink, on the desk next to the bed, on the seat, in the seat, under the seat, above the seat, in the car, in the glove box, in the center console, in the tiniest little dash that's above the speedometer. There's bobby pins everywhere. And she puts them in her hair, and then she comes to church, and she dances, and she shouts, and sometimes so much so that these bobby pins become lethal flying projectiles. And then she comes home. She takes out each one of these bobby pins and puts them in all of their unique places. And then her hair goes down and she lets it fall and she says, <sighs> And in the summertime, y'all don't know about heat in Arizona. I know that. Y'all don't know about any kind of heat. In the summertime in Florida, it's so hot and muggy. And, and it's just a heavy weight. And, and, and to let it all down, there's such a relief. And God has asked our women to just deal with it. And here's the issue, ladies. And guys, you're getting a, a lesson. And I'm doing all this for the ladies, and they're about to be elevated. They're about to be elevated. And then I'm going to nail you guys at the very end, okay? So just wait for it. Just wait for it. But what happens to long hair? The, the nutrients and the vitamins and the, the minerals and all the food that feeds hair that comes from the follicle, the longer the hair gets, it can't reach the end of the hair. And you have something called split ends. Split ends. In our fashion industry, which is run by homosexual males, tells our women, split ends are ugly. Cut your hair. Hide it. And this is what we have to understand what is ugly to the world is beautiful to God. 
And what is beautiful to God is ugly to the world. You simply have to decide, who am I going to look good for? Maybe seated. Because God has preferences of how he wants things to look. And when you look at Jesus Christ, Isaiah said of Jesus Christ, he hath no form nor comeliness. There's no beauty that we should desire him. The greatest human being that ever walked planet earth, God in the flesh, reconciling the world unto himself. This man was ugly. If there's no beauty, that means there's some ugly. That's not being sacrilegious, folks. The body of Jesus Christ, the physical body, meant nothing. That's why Jesus changed the way he looked completely after he rose from the dead. That body meant nothing. That's just a tabernacle. That's just a trick, everybody who can't see past his flesh, who can't get over what their eyes are telling them because God said of his son, he is a crown of righteousness to me. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the fairest of 10,000. He's the most beautiful creature that's ever walked planet earth. But in the eyes of the flesh, it's ugly. God also said, now this is controversial, and I'm about to get in trouble, but I'm leaving tomorrow. What is this, Wednesday, Thursday? We're leaving at some point here. I don't even know what day it is. Wednesday, thank you. This is controversial, but it's Bible. And you can, you can mock me afterwards or just rebuke me. I don't care, whatever, whatever you think. Uh, God said three times in the Old Testament, I like gray hair. He said it three times. He said, the hoary, hoary is a way of saying white in the Old Testament. Sounds kind of funny. The hoary head is, should be considered honorable if it's found in the way of righteousness. In other words, old people with white hair, if they live their life righteous, that is a crown of glory to them. He said, the glory of young men is their strength, but the beauty of the old is their gray head. God likes gray hair. Our society says it's ugly. You're getting old. Diet. And then in the New Testament, in Jude, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 8, it says these filthy dreamers, he talked about all these fleshly things they were doing, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. That word defile, look it up in a Greek lexicon. It means to tint, to stain, or to dye with another color. Where's the pressure coming from? Because the world says, hide your age. You got to get rid of what looks ugly. Why? Because you need to look pretty to us. And God's saying, hey, don't worry about looking good for the world. I'm trying to cause you to fit into a pattern. If you fit into the pattern, you're going to look good to me. And that's where the power comes from. And Satan 
removed his covering. He said, I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I I will make my throne uh, above the stars of heaven. I will be like the most high. In other words, I'm tired of being at this level of authority. I'm going up. There's no difference between you and I. We are the same. Male and female, they're the same. There's no differences. You can just pick what you want. That came out of eternity, folks. That deception came out of eternity when Lucifer looked up to God and said, I'm done being covered. I'm done covering the glory, and I'm done being covered as a sign of my submission to my authoritative head. What is a woman doing when she cuts her hair? She is literally following the pattern that Lucifer made when he rebelled in the heavens. She is removing her covering and saying there's no difference between you and I. And women who cut their hair, fallen angels can relate to you. Because you have now made a connection from the spirit realm to earth with the wrong type of spirit. And our girls who refuse to remove their covering, the angels of God, and it's two to one, by the way. There's two submitted angels for every one rebellious angel, so we're, we way outnumber them. The angels of God in heaven that have not removed their covering look at you, and they can relate to you. You are their earthly counterpart. Why does Satan hate the woman so much? Because God caused you to do on earth what he used to do in the heavens. You took his place. God literally made the woman take Lucifer's place. You're covering yourself in the presence of the glory, and you are literally guarding the glory. You are the first line of defense in the kingdom of God. And I've heard some women say, I don't like being on the bottom. It's God, Christ, male, female. I don't like being on the bottom. And it's true, you're on the bottom. This foundation of this building is on the bottom. Hold on, hold on. Foundation of this building is on the bottom. And everything that's built in this building is built on what's on the bottom. If there's a problem in the roof, we can fix it. If there's a problem in the walls, we can fix it. The trusses, we can fix it. If the foundation gets corrupted, the whole thing falls apart. Satan knew this. He went after Eve because women are the first line of defense for holiness and righteousness in the kingdom of God. Guys are not the first line of defense. It's the girls that are the first line of defense. How is this possible when they have a lower level of authority? How do they have more power? How are they on the... Well, listen, the the higher authority you go in the military, the higher you go, they're not on the front lines. The guys on the front lines with the bazooka, they have the power. Okay? And that's, that's women. Women live there. They literally live in a dimension where they are the front line of the battle. I've been trying to get guys to act like girls in church for years. 
I'm not talking about being prissy or dressing like a girl or anything like that. I'm talking about when you say let's pray, girls are like. (laughs) You don't have to warm them up. You don't have to convince them. Guys are a little bit different. Our emotional makeup. You have to convince guys of the benefits of why we're doing what we're doing. I need the Greek and the Hebrew and the lexicon and the commentaries and the historical context that the manuscript was written in 4,000 years. And then we'll eventually make up our mind to do it. And when we do, it's powerful. But girls live there. They live in that realm. Why? God has made you the first line of defense. I want to tell you, do you understand what has been entrusted to you for the glory to be touched in your local church? Satan's got to go through the girl. If the devil's going to corrupt the church of the living God, he's got to go through the girl first. What am I trying to tell you? Ladies, hold your ground. No matter what our society's telling you, you're beautiful, you're powerful. Don't compromise. I want you to lift your hands right now and just let your voice out for a moment. Hallelujah. Maybe seated. There's, there's more to this than just somebody in the pulpit telling you, you have to do this and you have to do that and you got to do this and if you don't, you're a jerk. No, folks, if God tells us to do something, the benefits outweigh the cost. You are Watch, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. The words because of in the Greek literally means in and among the angels. And the word power is exousia, exousia. Jurisdiction in a certain authority, in a certain realm, first line of defense. You have an incredible power. There's a lady in our church, Tanae Richardson, she had a little girl named Morgan. Morgan was about one and a half, two years old. Danae is the pastor's wife of our, or a pastor's daughter of our church. She was combing her hair, sitting at a desk, and Morgan was sitting there playing on the floor. And Danae just kind of lost track of thought, combing her hair. And all of a sudden, she heard this voice, this impression, this kind of a shock alarm impression. Where is Morgan? And she looked down where Morgan was playing, and all the toys were there, but Morgan was gone. And so she looked around the house frantically, could not find Morgan, went out in the yard, could not find Morgan, went to the backyard, looked in the swimming pool, and in the bottom of the deep end of the swimming pool was Morgan. And she was standing on her feet with her hands lifted, and there was a funnel of air coming from the surface down to her mouth like a straw. And she was holding her hands up, standing at the bottom of the pool, breathing air. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. This is the kind of access we have when we fit the pattern. And I have, and Pop Stone King has, and I have, and people have made a joke. We're talking about holy magic hair. All this power in the hair. Listen, how many of you have been baptized in Jesus' name? How many of you have changed your life? 
Maybe some chains were broken. Maybe some addictions were destroyed. Maybe some old sinful habits were destroyed. Anybody? Anybody out there? Yeah. Well, we don't talk about holy magic water. There's no power in that water. It's just H2O. Where does the power come from? Adherence to the pattern. It's not holy magic here. There ain't nothing in the hair. Hair's just going to turn to dust like every other part of our body. Where's the power come from? Adherence to the pattern. And I preached in churches where they adhere to the pattern and angels come and help. And I preached in churches that do not adhere to the pattern and angels stay far away. They will not come. They'll come and protect me and just be with me personally and minister to me, but they don't help in the, in the service. They don't want nothing to do with it. I preached in one church where the Talmud's French, a dear friend, powerful church, preaches holiness like nobody. And while I was there, I had just finished a long fast fighting spirits like I had never experienced in my life. They were having great gay pride weekend in Atlanta. And they had painted the fire trucks rainbow colors. And they were dancing in the streets. And I felt the spiritual turmoil. I could feel it. And it was just, it was rough. We had about 40 get the Holy Ghost. But the breakthrough we were looking for, the supernatural breakthrough, it just wasn't there. People felt weariness. People felt heavy. It was just a deep warfare. So I was exhausted. I preached my guts out. And that afternoon, I prayed in the hotel. I was like, God, you got to help me. I don't have any strength to push. I don't have any strength to do anything. I've been fasting. I'm tired. I need some help. And I read where Michael the archangel came and helped Daniel. Gabriel tried to come through with the revelation, the prince of Persia, which was a demon that held back revelation stopped Gabriel from bringing the revelation. And so Gabriel texted his buddy Michael <clears throat> and said, hey, can you come? And Michael's, Michael's the big guns in heaven. He's the big dog, okay? He's the big bad angel. And, and he came and he, he, he dispatched the prince of Persia and then Gabriel was able to come through and speak to Daniel. And I said, Lord, we're trying to preach. It's hard to preach. Would you please send Michael to East Atlanta? Jonesboro, Georgia, just for five minutes. And he doesn't have to stay. I know, you know, Jesus is omnipresent. He's here in Arizona, but he's also in Florida, and he's also in China. He's also in Thailand. He's also in Germany. He's everywhere. But angels can't do that. They can fly probably at the speed of light somehow, but, but they have a schedule. And I said, Lord, if you could just put it in his schedule, just five minutes, do a flyby, Jonesboro, Georgia, come, kick the devil in the face, and he can fly off to some other place and do whatever he does. And, and so I just prayed that. And, and, and in that service, the power of God hit that place like a lightning bolt. And while it was happening in the midst of kind of like what you guys were doing earlier and then last night, just on the floor, going crazy, uh, drooling on yourselves, rolling, getting dirty, laying hands on each other. It was like that. And when that happened, a prophetess in their church, Sister Lucas, came up to me. She said, Brother Campatella, she said, there is a mighty angel that just came through the left side of the building. This is the back of the building, the left side of the building. And she said, he moved behind you while you were speaking. And she said, the power of God flowed through me. She said, I'm not trying to be spooky, Brother Campatella, but God told me the name of the angel. God said, this is Michael the archangel, and he's come to fight for the people of God and destroy opposition to revival. I preached this, and this, I'll tell just probably just this last story, and I'll be done. Y'all can do whatever you want. 
I, I preached this in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And while I was preaching, while I was telling this story, the building shook with thunder. Boom. And Brother Gleason came up to me. He said, Brother Campitella, he said, uh, we just received reports that there's tornadoes on the ground right now. Tornadoes are hitting the area. And they called everybody in out of, the build, out of their buildings to come into the main sanctuary. And the Holy Ghost hit that place. The weather altered dramatically because the spirit realm shifted dramatically. I don't understand that, but I've seen it happen over and over and over. I was preaching this message in Urbana, Illinois, for the mighty Les Cotton. And while I was preaching, while I was telling this story, I had my Apple Watch on. And it, this was just a few months ago. My Apple Watch went off, and I saw alert, red alert, tornado warning. Tornadoes on the ground. Seeks shelter immediately. The weather changed dramatically and instantaneously because the spirit realm shifted so quickly. I saw this happen in Thailand. I was praying in Thailand. We dealt with the devil in Thailand. This was last April preaching in Thailand, and the opposition was so intense. I had prayed and fasted, and I had a young man there with me. We were praying, <clears throat> and when we were praying, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, you sent Michael to all these other places. Send him to Thailand. Bring him to Thailand. I'm getting a little bit spoiled with this prayer. I'll be honest with you. And you, we might as well pray for the biggest angels that are available, folks. God, would you please send me a small to medium-sized angel <clears throat> not a not a too big, just you know, just enough to be happy. Little little baby angel. Are you kidding me? Give me the guy with the spiritual bazooka, man. <clears throat> Send Michael to Thailand. And immediately it started raining outside. Had been in a drought. We were in the mountains in Thailand. And the missionary got on the phone, sent me a text message. She said, Brother Campatella. She said, God just spoke to me that this rain is a sign for what's going to happen in this service tonight. And in that service, the power of God fell in that place. And there were miracle signs and wonders all over that building. We had, they, they said about 60, I think 60 young people got the Holy Ghost that night. And, and when that happened, Sister T came running up to me screaming. She's a very dramatic, powerful woman. I love Sister T. She talks like, Brother Joey, Brother Joey, Brother Joey. She said, she, her eyes were wide in terror. And she came up to me screaming. She said, she said, there's, there's a mighty angel behind you. And she said, there's fire coming out of his body all over the campground. And she said, God told me, Brother Joey, that Michael the archangel has come to Thailand. Michael has come to Thailand. And I want to tell you something. I don't worship angels, and he is a servant just like I'm a servant. But when you adhere to the pattern, things are available to you that are not available to anybody else. You girls, there are angels that are with you, ready to minister to you, for you, and through you because of your adherence to the pattern. You are powerful. The women in our fashion industry say you look funny, you act funny, you dress different, it's all weird, you need to be more like us, but they don't have a clue what you have in God. You are powerful in God because of your obedience to the pattern. I want you to lift your hands and let your voice out right now. You girls, let your voice out. I want you to release 
the anointing and the authority that's in your mouth right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, let's join them. Let's lift our hands and join them. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want you ladies to be honest with me. How many of you have felt the pressure? Felt the pressure from the world to change the way you dress, to maybe trim your hair. How many of you felt that pressure? Pretty much, pretty much everybody. Why does the devil do that? Because he wants to take away your power. Holiness is not an obstacle to revival. Holiness is an opportunity for revival. And guys, here we go. Y'all ready, ladies? Get them good. Get them good. When Paul taught modesty and holiness, the first thing out of his mouth was, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefaces, sobriety, not with broided hair, gold, pearls, costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness, so on and so forth. He told men what to do. He told women how to look. And for years, guys, we've always focused on the woman's job. Because women, all of these women, mostly everybody I can see, they're wearing women's stuff. And they wear this all year round. And when you go to your schools and when you go to your jobs or whatever, you look different automatically, right? Has any of you girls ever seen somebody looking at you like, what is that? What's going on? Wave a hand at me so all the guys can see. Yeah. So you deal with that pressure, don't you? All the time, everywhere. And we forget that God told us, pray everywhere. And when you pray, don't bow your head. Lift your hands. They're lining up with a pattern because it's their image. What image are we? Jesus Christ. What pattern are we fitting? Why are we supposed to lift up our hands? We're adhering to the pattern of our image. That changed the world forever. It changed the world forever. And guys, we're a bunch of hypocrites, okay? We're a bunch of slimy, sleazy, am I getting them good? Scumbag, low down, dirty, rotten hypocrites. Because when we pray here, we're like, ah! Ah! And then we go to Chick-fil-A. And we got our chicken sandwich or chicken nuggets. And we're like, we're Pentecostal. And we're like, 
Jesus bless this food in Jesus' name. God bless everybody. Amen. Well, you lying low-down hypocrite. You never prayed like that in church in your life. Why do we become a different denomination in public? When we're in church, we act like Pentecostals. When we go out in, in public, we act like Baptists. We're yielding to the pressure, trying to conform us to the... It would be the same thing as a girl saying, I'm done having long hair, I'm done wearing skirts, I'm going to wear pants and cut my... It would be the exact same thing. But we can hide ourselves. But Jesus said, when you pray, get your hands up. Because when you adhere to the pattern, you release the power. In other words... Who told you you got to pray quietly? You know, I am totally convinced. I'm preaching a long time tonight. Lord, have mercy. What time is it? I asked him twice what time it was. He, your youth president ain't telling me, so I think it's, what, it's like 7, 7, 15, something like that. Listen. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I got it. The reason why. Our young men, now this may be the exception. Arizona, you guys are crazy. Y'all may be the exception to the rule. But 90% of our young men are on pornography. And dealing with lust, uncontrolled lust. Now they're smiling, they're, they're dressing the part, but in their head it's going. Why? Because we live on the defensive. We are not adhering to the pattern. You don't have to clap. God told me, I was convicted of this a couple years ago. God told me, why are you bowing your head when you pray in public? And I used to be very tactful and, and just very quietly bow my head. And I would even clasp my hands. I never do that in church. Never. Let's all pray. What in the world? What am I? I'm totally yielding to the pressure. And finally, God said, read it. I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. And who lifted up holy hands with no wrath? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No doubting, it is finished. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what mission I'm on. I don't hold this against them. Who, whose image are you conforming? He said, get your hands up, Joey. And I can promise you the first time I tried to do it, it was tough. It was tough. I was like, oh, my God. Because now, now I saw the revelation. And once you see the revelation, it's just like somebody seeing Jesus' name baptism. You don't do it. You're in trouble. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, sweet mercy. No more bowing the head and clasping the hands when I'm praying over my food and I'm at Chick-fil-A. I'm like... Hey, you try it. You try it and watch the spiritual opposition that you face, lifting your hands in public. You try it. And then God began to work with me because I fly on planes all the time. 
And I'm very tactful. People ask you, what do you do? And I always was very tactful. And I say, I'm a minister, because if you say you're a minister, it's a very tactful thing to say. And it can go in any direction. People are used to hearing minister. And God said, why are you just saying minister? Why don't you say what kind of minister? And so now when people ask me, the first time it happened, I sat next to a Baptist preacher. He, he, Big time, from Dallas, Texas, big time. Guy was like a, uh, an Air Force uh, paramilitary guy. They secured airports, special forces, operations, all kinds of stuff. And he went on and on. He pastors billions of people, and he travels the world. And we're all sitting in first class and hotty toddy. And, and I ask him what he does, so he'll eventually ask me, what do I do? So I can tell him what I do so I can help him. And, and for like two hours from Florida to Dallas, Texas, he's telling me what he does and taking military and all this stuff. And, and then finally I got like 15 minutes before we landed. He's like, and what do you do? And I was so fed up, it just burst out of me. I said, I am a oneness apostolic preacher. And I, I kind of caught myself. It was like, whoa. Whoa. Did that just come out of my mouth? And as soon as I said it, he started crying. He said, my wife is dying. She's had stroke after stroke after stroke. The doctors don't know what's causing the stroke. She is literally dying. They're giving her just a few short months to live. He said, I've been taking her all over the place. We've been going to every place she wants to go because I know I'm not going to have her. He's bawling. God's teaching her how, teaching me how to love her, and I'm serving her, and it's the greatest lesson of my life. Why is he crying? Why is he sobbing? Why is he confessing this to me? Because the power of what we have touched him. He knew somehow, even whether he fully understands what I was, something touched him, something touched him from another world and said, this guy can help you with your problem. You want to know what the answer is to the epidemic of girls giving themselves over to all kinds of nasty stuff in our world? Is girls like you. You have power. You have got the answer to what they're going through. And guys, we've got the answer. And I grabbed him. There was some nasty flight attendants. They were trying to take over bad spirits. One of them, I think, was possessed. She tried to take over and offer her emotional uh, take on what he was going through. I said, hold on. Holy Ghost was on me. I said, hold on. And I grabbed his hand. I said, we're going to pray in Jesus' name for your wife. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ. It was first class. There's like eight seats in first class. Everybody heard me, folks. And people in the cattle seats heard me as well. I said, in Jesus' name, I curse these strokes out of your wife's body. We command healing in your wife's body, recovery in your wife's body. And something came over me, and I started speaking in tongues loudly in first class. Is that even legal? Are we allowed to speak in tongues in public? Or is it only reserved for the, the walls of our churches? We speak in tongues here, and we shout, and we roll. But when we go into public... We don't want to freak anybody out, right? Hey, let me tell you what God's evangelism strategy was. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And then God sent them outside. Did you hear me? God kicked them outside while they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. 
other words, stop hiding what you are. Don't be ashamed. I was in an airport a few weeks ago, and God, God told me. I, I, I was, it, was, it was tough. I've, I messed up when I first started especially. It was so much pressure. And I, I was in St. Louis Airport sitting down with some Chick-fil-A. I don't know why it's always Chick-fil-A. But I, and, and there was all kinds of people around me. And everybody's on their smartphones. And, man, it was just I was tired. I was exhausted. I was coming home from preaching my guts out. And I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I, now i got my Chick-fil-A and I have to do warfare. Lord Jesus, bless the food in Jesus' name. Amen. Put my hands down. Kind of ashamed. Got in the plane. Had a snack. Just a snack. Lifted my hands. Jesus, bless this food in Jesus' name. And I was about to put them down, and God said, keep your hands up. And then he said, and then he said, okay, you can put them down now. I put my hands down, <clears throat> and I did the casual look. <laughs> and everybody was like. <laughs> Why? Why? I was just lifting my hands. What's so obnoxious? Why? It shattered the spirit realm. Shattered the spirit realm. I'm going to say this last thing and I'm done. I don't know why. I, this is long-winded preaching right here. I never... <clears throat> I was in Missouri, Missouri camp last year. Crazy miracles last year. God's taken us to a place where he's going to do miracles in this camp. If you're sick in your body, God's going to heal your body. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. We're going there. We're going there. <laughs> but it was that moment at, at Missouri camp. There were, there were girls with scoliosis of the spine from their birth. God straightened their spine in front of everybody. There were, there were people with broken knees. God healed them instantaneously. It was total mayhem. And, and they did what you guys do. They turned in their cell phones, no media. It was just total focus on God. I think there was maybe a thousand people there. It was Everybody was together. And <clears throat> so I asked them if they would do pre-service prayer for an hour, and they agreed to it. Everybody agreed to it. So we had literally 800 young people in that gymnasium every night before church, praying for a solid hour before church. And then I asked for six young ladies, and six young men to lead the prayer, lead that prayer. So I instructed them, I say, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be praying about forgiveness, you're going to be praying about praise, you're going to pray over Thanksgiving, you're going to, you're going to prophesy and speak in tongues, you're going to, just whatever, whatever they feel. And so we did these different, different categories, and I begin to notice something. When a girl got the microphone, the girls were powerful, unafraid. It was like, ah! And the whole congregation was like, ah. they could feel it. And the girl was like, ah. 
And then the guy, it was the guy's turn, and the guy got the mic, and he was like, Oh, Jesus, God bless everybody. God help everybody, Lord. And, and, and you could feel the, the, the intensity went. And then after 10, five minutes, it was the girl's turn again. And the girl was like, give me that microphone, boy. And the whole congregation was fire falling, lightning flashing. And then she was like. And every time it repeated the pattern, the guys, the guys were timid and afraid. The girls were fierce and powerful. And the district secretary came up to me, Brother Parkey. He said, do you, do you see what's happening? And the Holy Ghost was speaking to me. I said, yes. Every time a girl gets a mic, power flows, boldness, unafraid, uninhibited. Every time a guy gets a mic, there's fear, apprehension, hesitation. Why? Because the spirits in our society are telling you you're worthless. Aggression is bad. Boldness is bad. Maleness, authority is bad. And we don't really know where we fit in. But in the last days, God is raising up young women who know who they are and why they do what they do. And let me tell you, if there's a young lady here, you've been cutting your hair, I'm not trying to condemn you or offend you. Maybe you did not understand this. Maybe you've never seen this. Maybe you had a weak moment. All you have to do tonight is lift your hands and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he will look at you as if you were covered your entire life. Entire life. God's raising up a generation of girls who know who they are and what they have. And God is calling a generation of men, young men, that refuse to hesitate. There's a plague of second-guessing in our young men. I, I, I feel anointed. I feel like I should run. I, I feel like I should lay hands up. But, but what if, but what, am, am I out of place? I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. You are powerful. Darion, you are powerful in God. You are mighty in God. You just have to learn how to adhere to the pattern. you got to be bold enough to get on the offensive and lift your hands and let that lion voice out of your mouth and say, I'm done yielding. I'm done resisting. I'm done. I'm done falling. I'm done folding to the pressure. I'm going to be mighty in God. I'm going to be mighty. I'm a man of God. I will not be afraid. That's it, ladies. You're in intercession already. You're in warfare already. I want you to release yourself right now. I want you to let your voice out right now. I want you to begin to pray. There is a sword in your hand in the name of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah
I am not ashamed of how I look. I'm not going to be timid about my skirt. I'm not going to feel afraid of what other women, what other girls, what Hollywood says. I'm a woman of God. I'm beautiful to the Lord. I'm a chosen vessel. I've got power on my head because of the angels. Yeah, just keep going for a moment. We're about to shift. We're about to shift. Every lie, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You're mighty. You're mighty. You're mighty. You're mighty. You're mighty. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's a lie that you don't look good. It's a lie. You're beautiful. You're glorious to God. You're his prized possession. You are gorgeous to the one that matters. You are gorgeous to the one that matters. Hey, men, you're powerful. Girls, girls, I want you to begin to release angels right now. I want you to release angels to go before you to your schools, to your jobs, to your families. You've got that kind of power. They will listen to you because of your adherence to the pattern. You've got power on your head because of the angels. I want you to begin to pray with authority. God, send the angels. Send the angels. Send the angels in the name of Jesus. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Now listen. Y'all are powerful. Y'all know how to have a breakthrough. Y'all can go as long as you want, but I just want to address something. I, I know, I know, I know, I know that so many of you have been fighting hell in your mind. You have been battling, battling, battling. And guys, 
God is about to release you to be apostolic men of God with powerful fearlessness. You're not going to second guess yourself. If you feel something, you're just going to do it. That's, that's, that's manly. I'm going to hit this thing. I'm going to take this thing. I want you guys, I, I want you to take a position of authority, okay? I want you to take a position of authority. I got the mic, and I'm operating under the instruction and submission of the president, of the youth president, secretary, of the superintendent, and I'm going to release to you my authority and the Holy Ghost. Every one of you, without exception, are dealing with mental battles that the devil wants you to hide, act like it doesn't exist. You are fighting hell. I know it. I'm a man. You're men. And the Lord is about to change your position in the spirit. You are removing yourself from the defensive, and you are about to step into the offensive. God's going to make you powerful. I want you to take a position of authority right now. I want you to lay hands on the head, not the shoulder, not the chest, not the back. What do you do when you lay hands on the head? That is a symbol of your authority in the spirit. Lay hands on the head of a friend, of a brother right now. I want you to curse every fear. I want you to rebuke every lie. I want you to release that brother to be a man of God. Girls, Take a position of authority right now. Lay your hands on another girl's head. I want you to release them from the spirit of fear and intimidation. In the name of the Lord Jesus, girl, when you go out in the public, you're not going to be intimidated. You're not going to be fearful. You're going to be mighty. You're going to be bold as a lion. Break it! Break it! Break it! Break it! Break it! No more fear! No more fear! No more intimidation! No more hesitation! We're gonna be bold as lions! Ah, yeah, 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 yeah! That's it. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Speak in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues.
Yes, 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 Shata. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. God's not only breaking chains here. He's breaking chains for where you're going. Uh, he's breaking chains in your family. Some of you have backslidden relatives, siblings, mothers, fathers. He's sending angels right now. He's sending angels right now. He's answering the prayer that you're praying with authority and boldness. Uh, this is not a fantasy. This is not make-believe. Uh, there is a God uh, who's listening to every word, uh, and he is acting uh, according to what you are speaking with authority and boldness. The Lord is answering your prayer right now. That's it, young man. Chains are breaking. That's it, young man. Chains are breaking. You're never going back. You're never going back, young man. You're going to be a mighty man of God. <laughs> 